For the next couple of weeks, we are talking about our faith through the lens of poetry. I don't, I don't know about you and, and poetry, um, but for me, poems have often been really meaningful catalysts to seasons of, of life. When I think about some of the biggest changes that have happened in my life, like things that, that, that brought me to tears, it's been beauty and wonder. Uh, it's been things that can't quite be put into words, but it resonates with me so deeply. What it has not been has been logical, data-driven, analytical, science-backed-based arguments for beauty. I've rarely been stirred by an equation or a formula. Like, oof, that is beautiful. A proof, if you will. You're a scientist. What, you know, do you disagree with me? <laughs> Different, yeah. <laughs> Clever geometry. <laughs> uh, amen, yeah. Um, and yet often, when we gather here on Sundays, think about what we do. The scripture reading this morning is a part of three poems, Psalm 65, Psalm 66, Psalm 67. We're going to read all three of them in the next couple of weeks as we talk about poetry. But think about what we normally do, the poems up there. And then we say like, ah, let's break it down. How do we, how do we know this better? How do we own this better? How can we better argue and explain and prove and understand and know, describe exactly what's going on here or exactly what I'm feeling or exactly why we are here? I don't know about you, but words often fail. And for all the time that we spend believing that we can talk about the substance of our lives through the front door of well-reasoned biblical studies or an expert analysis of the Greek text. Sometimes beauty, whether it is in the form of a song, a piece of art, a poem, sneaks in through the back door. The spiritual writer Mirabai Starr said this about poetry. Poetry is like a gateway to consciousness. It's a door, a gateway. To consciousness, to being alert. It knocks on the door of your heart. Listen, that door of your heart might be shut. The hinges might be rusty. It may not open easily. Maybe those around you know this about you. Like, oh, they have a kind of a rusty heart. <laughs> that door doesn't open well. 
Poetry still knocks. Art, beauty, it knocks. Poets speak truth in a very naked way that bypasses the rational mind. And then hear this last line. Poetry evokes rather than describes. Poetry evokes rather than describes. I think when I talk about my faith and spirituality, often it's really frustrating because, again, those things that have moved me most deeply have been things like beauty and, and wonder and mystery. And when I'm thrust into a conversation with a coworker or, or my neighbor, somehow it's me trying to describe my faith through that analytical front door. Like, this is, this is why you should come to church. How many of those, how, how many of those conversations have gone really well? <laughs> But if I can evoke something, think about when we welcome new members into this church. I don't have them stand up and say, these are the people who got 100% on the membership test. I say, these are the people who sense that something's going on here. And they've said, I want to be a part of that. It has evoked something in them. You know, in the ancient world, poetry and religion were practically the same thing. Think about that. People didn't presume to be able to to define mystery in such agreeable terms as we have often believed we could in modernity. Here is our creed. We all agree, yes? In the ancient world, religion and poetry were often one and the same. We're trying to speak about the mystery of all existence. And so they would offer up words hoping that they might resonate within you. In a way that like, You can't accurately put words to it, but it resonates. Often I think all religious language is like that. All religious language, I think, is a metaphor. Meaning that it's still referring to the mystery. One of my favorite poets and writers, Thomas Merton, used to say, when you're told that Jesus' body, or when you're told that the bread and the cup that you're eating and drinking from in communion is Jesus' body and blood, it's supposed to take your breath away for a couple moments, not lead you to argue about it. Poetry is meant to evoke rather than describe. And when I think about our spiritual lives, which when I look around, We've gathered because we're spiritual beings. And different things resonate with us. And for some time, whether it's a couple of weeks or 40 years, we've made this pilgrimage to come to this place believing and hoping that something might resonate with us. 
because it evokes something in us. And as your pastor and as a preacher, I do my best to try to help us understand a lot of the content and material we work with, the Bible. I try to do my best to help us recognize the ways that we can be shaped by the life of Jesus and the stories of faith that are in our history. But I also recognize that to only do so or attempt to do so through the front door of intellect will only get us so far. So I'm hoping that some of these words this morning might serve as a bridge for you. I said that I think everything we use to talk about religion is a metaphor. In Greek, that word metaphor literally means... Here we go, I'm doing the analytical thing. Uh, In Greek... The word metaphor literally means to to carry across or to carry over. It's a a bridge, my friends. I'm hoping that some of these words this morning might help you cross into a new threshold. Maybe even for just a moment. A tiny glimmer of wonder. Wonder or of beauty, or just resonance that is fleeting. This is not meant to be something that you own, and you're like, yes, I got it. That app that is perfectly described what I'm, what I'm thinking. Maybe it will resonate with you in such a way. But I hope some of these words help you cross into a land or a place that you've been trying to access. Uh, for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at some the work of some poets. And the poet for this morning is someone who has made a significant impact on my life. Um, all three of the poets really have, but the first, uh, very significantly, his, his name is John O'Donohue. Um, he was born in 1956 in the western part of, of Ireland. He's an Irish poet. And he died very suddenly. He died when he was 56 years old. From a, a lot of people think from an aneurysm overnight, you know. He was a, it was a healthy, gregarious, robust Irish pilgrim and then died. He died in 2008 and, and since then, um, many people have tried to continue the circulation of his words, all of which are relatively contemporary continue that circulation because it, it has proved to be a helpful metaphor, a helpful bridge for pilgrims. John O'Donohue was a, a Catholic priest. He was a doctor in theology, academic, but was always first a poet who learned God by observing creation. Seeing the tumultuous winds blow across the western cliffs of Ireland. A few things as we begin. Not every one of the poems that you're going to encounter. And I'm going to share two poems this morning. Uh, 
Not every one of the poems, and the same for the next couple weeks, is going to name God explicitly. The Bible doesn't do that even. But I appreciate what John O'Donohue wrote as a poet about naming God. And I'm just going to read this to you real quick. The temptation in writing blessings, poems, is to employ the word God at every juncture. Maybe your prayers have sounded like that sometimes. Dear God, God, listen to me. God, thank you. I've chosen not to do this. First, it would be very repetitive. But second, the word God is often too huge to allow any other word to breathe beside it. Think about a conversation you've had or maybe a Thanksgiving dinner. All of a sudden, God comes up. Now, you're kind of talking about it before that moment, but then once it's named, it kind of sucks the air out. Sometimes it's too large to allow other words to breathe beside it. But furthermore, God is everywhere. And life itself is the primal sacrament, the first sacrament, the visible sign of invisible grace. And so the structures of our experience of our lives, the things we're going through, the things that we feel, are windows to the divine. And when we're true to the call of our experience, when we can recognize and name what we're feeling, what has happened, where we are, when we are true to our experience, we are true to God. Lastly, I want to say a word about blessings. I've said this before, but you know, when we're in church, sometimes uh, I'll offer a blessing as we leave. And sometimes I'll, when I say a prayer, I... I almost politely say, like, would you allow this to exist? Because I, I fundamentally believe that prayer is a blessing, meaning that it is trying to bring a new reality into existence. It's not meant to just be this, like, I hope this little sticker looks good on your shirt. Like, look, I got prayed for. No, I, I want you to hear something new today. For those who are lonely, I want, to, I want them to feel like there's a realness to a community. For those who are hurting, I want there to f- them to feel like there is a hope of, of healing. For those that are filled with joy, I want them to feel like it is growing. And a good blessing does that. So the two poems that I'm going to share this morning are trying to do precisely that. Name that you are in a season of life. And the two poems, the first is a blessing for longing. And the second is a blessing for a new beginning. And these blessings are not meant to just be poems that you go like, can I get a copy of that? I'm going to put that up on my, you know, it'd be really good. Which, by the way, all the, the two poems will be in the weekly newsletter this coming Thursday. So you don't, you don't have to worry about this. Just listen. Listen for what resonates or doesn't. And if anything, like a good proper blessing, 
maybe these words could be true for you today and of your reality. A good blessing is trying to create that new beginning. This first poem is called For Longing. And I'm going to read it twice. Blessed be the longing that brought you here. And quickens your soul with wonder. May you have the courage to listen to the voice of desire. That disturbs you. When you have settled for something safe. May you have the wisdom to enter generously into your own unease. To discover the new direction your longing wants you to take. May the forms of your belonging in love, creativity and friendship be equal To the grandeur and the call of your soul. May the one you long for. Long for you. May your dreams gradually reveal the destination of your desire. May a secret providence guide your thought and nurture your feelings. May your mind inhabit your life with the sureness with which your body inhabits the world. May your heart never be haunted by ghost structures of old damage. May you come to accept your longing as divine urgency. And may you know the urgency with which God longs for you. Sometimes it's so hard to even access your desires. Do you know what you long for? Do you know what what you really long for? Can you feel that? And maybe there's a distance between where you are now in your life, in your actions, in your communities or your relationships your relationship with God even, and where you want to be, wish you were, or wish you could feel again. Do you know, I mean, do you, do you know what you long for? Blessed be the longing that brought you here. 
Something did. Blessed be the longing that brought you here and that quickens your soul with wonder. I wonder, I wonder if you can still wonder. Blessed be the longing that brought you here and that quickens your soul with wonder. May you have the courage to listen to the voice of your desire. May you have the courage to listen to the voice of your desire that disturbs you. That disturbs you when you have settled for something safe. May you have the wisdom to enter generously into your own unease. And may you discover possibly a new direction. Towards what your longing wants. May the forms of your belonging. That which makes you feel settled and comfortable and established. Love, creativity, friendships. May those also be equal in grandeur to your commitment to yourself. May the one you long for, long for you. May your dreams still have dreams. May your dreams gradually reveal the destination of what you desire. If you struggle to recognize the desire, may your dreams help you. May a secret providence, a, a, a secret goodness, guide what you think about. And nurture your feelings even when you feel cold and rough-edged. May your mind inhabit your life with the sureness with which your body inhabits the world in which your body is here. May your heart never be haunted by ghost structures of old damage. Boy, that might be true for many of us. May you come to accept your longing as a divine urgency. May you know the urgency with which God longs for you. I really, I'm always moved by those last two lines. The invitation to accept your longings as being urgent. I'm younger. But as I know, when you are older, you have accumulated many sacrifices. You've given up a lot. You felt a lot. You've held a lot. 
And often that also comes at the expense of even our own desires. I hope you hear that invitation to view the desire, the longing, as a divine urgency. As if the very spirit that drove God to create, that that desperation that says this needs to take on flesh, is also true for you and the longings you have today. This, of course, leads us to what hopefully might be a new beginning. Many of us are at the threshold of a new beginning. You don't need me to tell you that. Your body's breaking in ways that it didn't before. Your children are moving out. New children are here. You're scared. Because there's something new on the horizon and you're not there yet. And you know that that's frightening. For a new beginning. In out of the way places of your heart. Where your thoughts never think to wander. This new beginning. Has been quietly forming. Waiting until you are ready to emerge. For a long time it has watched your desire. Feeling the emptiness growing inside you. Noticing how you've willed yourself to go on. Still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It has watched you play with the seduction of safety. And the gray promises that sameness whispered. It's heard all those waves of turmoil rise and relent, rise and relent. Wondered Will you always live like this? Then, the delight, the, the delight when your courage kindled and out you stepped onto new ground, your eyes young again with energy and with dreams. A path of plentitude opening before you. Hear this. Though your destination is not yet clear. You can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning. Into the grace of a beginning that is at one with your heart's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. And soon 
you will be at home in a new rhythm. For your soul senses the world that awaits you. I often think of life as, as filled with these thresholds, doorways, gates, bridges, crossings. Often I find myself at the brink of one, unwilling to step into the next one, as if I'm like holding on to the posts. One thing that has made it easier for me has been blessings like this. That as I'm frightened and scared, often by things that are falsely data-driven, this will happen. This will hurt. This will change. Blessings like this open me back up to wonder as I begin again in a new season. I'd like to leave you with this blessing. And I'm going to read it one more time. In out-of-the-way places of your heart. Where your thoughts never think to wander. In in out-of-the-way places of your heart. You can't even recognize these places anymore. In out-of-the-way places of your heart. Where your thoughts never think to wander. This new beginning has been waiting patiently. Until you are ready to emerge. Listen, for a long time it has watched you play with the seduction of safety. Let's keep the status quo. It has heard all the gray promises that sameness whisper. More and more of the same. It's heard everything you've thrown at it. All those waves of turmoil rise and relent. Rise and relent. Oh, the drama. It's wondered, would you always live like this? And so then, the delight, when your courage kindled, kindled, took on flame, not your plans kindled, not your savings account kindled, not all of your hard work kindled, your courage, your willingness to be vulnerable, to risk, when your courage kindled, And out you stepped onto new ground. Friends, may your eyes be young again with energy and dream. May paths of plentitude, not scarcity, may paths of plentitude open right before you. Listen. Though your destination is not yet clear, it's not clear. You can trust the promise of this new beginning. So unfurl yourself into the grace of a beginning that is at one with your heart's desire. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk and soon. Not yet. But soon. May you be at home in a new rhythm. Things feel right again. May you be at home in a new rhythm.
for your soul senses the world that awaits you.